0: we have a Bible, let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And I know it's kind of been a while since we've been in First Corinthians, but we kind of pick it up after Paul had been sharing, I'm going to beat my body, I'm going to bring it into subjection, lest having preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so the context here is you know you you don't want to get disqualified you know you don't want to blow it uh, to the point that you know you get whatever suspended or you don't you know finish the the race so to speak i don't think it's speaking about necessarily losing your salvation that's a different discussion i believe we're eternally secure as we abide in jesus christ but i do think it, it means like you know God made you with a mission, all of us here, you know we were knit together in our mother's womb, God saw your days before they were formed, and so He gave you everything you needed in your genetics and your cultural upbringing, your parents, your opportunities you were you were knit together in your mother's womb for a mission, man, a mission. And so when I think of someone being disqualified, I think, well, they didn't get to really do what God really wanted them to do in life. They didn't, you know, necessarily finish the mission. They didn't finish the race. Now, if you're here and you've blown it, whatever you do, don't get condemned and don't give up. Don't check out right now. This is something for us to just say from this point forward, from this point forward, I will not you know, take my eyes off the Lord. From this point forward, I'm going to take this to heart because God still has good plans. And, and like I shared earlier, you might be here and you think, well, I'm done. I'm disqualified. I've blown it. Listen, let God decide that, not man. All we can do is today, today let God change our lives with his word. And just to say today, from this point forward, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love him. I'm going to put him first. I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to play games. It's not about a religion, you know. It's a it's a personal relationship in which I know I have a mission. I have a mission to my family. I want to take care of my wife and my kids. I have a mission in the flock. I have gifts that I've been given, talents and opportunities that God has placed in my heart. And so, you know, you don't want to be disqualified. And so the whole... Context here, Paul is going to say, You need to be careful because these guys, they experienced these amazing things, amazing things, and we're going to talk about it how they, you know, had the clouds, the kind of glory of God guide them and guard them and show them his glory, and how they passed through the Red Sea, and how they were fed manna from heaven, and how they were given water from the rock, and how they identified, they were baptized into the baptism of Moses, amazing things, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So here's what's going on in the church today. Most of the church, most of the church, they don't really love the Lord. God's not really first in their life. If you think about it, huh? There is a remnant. I want to be part of the remnant. You don't want to just play church. You don't want to be most of the church. You want to be that remnant. And who knows, maybe it'll grow. Maybe one day there'll be more. But... But really, when you look at it, you know, what we find is that, Lord, there's even a narrow path in the narrow path. And so, Lord, this is an example. I don't want to be disqualified. And it's been hitting me lately. I, even, I don't want to use the word haunt, but it's been hitting me hard lately. Manny, be careful. Manny, get right. Manny, because if not, you can be disqualified. You know, and God had this ministry for me and God had this mission for me and and I don't end up following through. So that's what this is. This is a warning. Paul said, notice in nine, chapter nine, verse twenty seven, I, I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. And so he goes on and he talks about the things that you know he wants them to know. I, I do not Want you to be unaware, he says in chapter 10, verse 1, brethren, that all our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea and they all, and he goes on and he lists these five things that they all experienced. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now the Greek word translated scattered is where we get our word catastrophe. Their lives were a catastrophe. I had so much more for them. So much more. But they decided to put, you know, their, their lives in front of me. You know, and so it can happen to us like that, you guys. I mean, are, are we really, you know, praying the way we should? Are we in the Word the way we should? Are we loving the Lord? Are we serving Him? Is He really number one in our life? You know, I was thinking about um, how athletes get disqualified. And I don't know if recently you guys heard about that football player who was suspended. His name is Miles Garrett. Uh, He was suspended indefinitely for hitting the quarterback with his own helmet. Any of you guys see the highlight on that? You guys keep replaying it, huh? You got to be careful with that. So, I mean, you know, here's what happened. And and it was the end of the game. And, you know, it's competitive, you know, you're passionate, you know, and uh, I don't know, he tackles them. Who knows, maybe the guy said a word to him. I don't know for sure. Maybe somebody shoved him or whatever. But just the, the emotions. The emotions start just kind of flaring up, you know, and he's got whatever, he haps, happens to grab hold of the, the helmet. Who knows, maybe he took it off by accident. I don't know, maybe it was just some instinct, you know, but just things just start happening, and then, now what are you going to do with it, you know, and now it's just boom. You know, because the sin nature, the depravity that we have, it's just like that. Boom, it happens. happened to Moses, and, you're, and, and the promised land, He's not there anymore. You know, this guy, he got suspended indefinitely. Who knows if he will ever play football again. He worked hard, yes, to get where he was, but he was also gifted to get where he was. But now he can't do what he was gifted to do or called to do anymore. Why? He was disqualified. You know, he loses $1.4 million, 40%, a little over 40% of his season salary. I'm sure he had a budget, you know, where he was going to get it all in, but now he loses it. Why? He was disqualified. And we have to learn this lesson We're here. We're going to see at the end of the day, Paul says, "Uh, you need to take heed if you think you stand lest you fall. And so notice what we see right here. How, how God, good beginnings don't necessarily guarantee good endings. And just because we are privileged to see miracles doesn't mean that it's all gonna turn out you know, fine and dandy. He gives five things that the uh, Jewish believers experienced and they're related also to what Christians experienced. What we see, number one, is they were all under the cloud. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware That all our fathers were under the cloud. Now, the Corinthians were not Jews, and so not spiritual fathers, I mean, not biological fathers, but it is spiritual fathers. We're all descendants in that sense of Abraham. That's why we sing that song, Father Abraham had many sons. You guys remember that song? If you don't know the song, go to the children's ministry afterwards. They'll teach it to you, right? So, you know, their fathers, the Corinthians, they're your your ancestors, they're our patriarchs. You know, he says, I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. Now, the cloud, it speaks of God's glory. As a matter of fact, when Lucifer fell in heaven, in Isaiah 14, verse 14, he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And so even in heaven, even in heaven, when Lucifer looked up at the throne, he saw the clouds. The clouds clearly, when you read the Bible, speak of the Shekinah glory of God. And so when God led the people, he set them free out of Egypt, something so amazing in and of itself. But when he set them free, he he led them with a cloud. It says in Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire, to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so the cloud, God, Shekinah, glory of God personally guided them and not only guided them, but guarded them. We read in Exodus fourteen nineteen 19-20, "...and the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night." And so think about that for a second. Here's a cloud, and I don't know about you guys, but aren't the clouds beautiful? When you look up at the clouds, and it's so poofy, and then the blue sky right there, and the clouds, this is glorious, right? So now you got a cloud, it's down here. Think about it, the cloud is guiding you. The cloud is guarding you, because when the Israel came out of Egypt, they came, God led them to this funny place, the Red Sea, you got mountains on both sides, and now you got the Egyptian army behind you, right? And so you guys remember Pharaoh changed his mind. He brought the chariots, which are equivalent of modern-day tanks. How are you going to defeat this army? So the cloud comes and protects them. The cloud stands between them. So this is what they experience. Imagine if you experience something like that. I mean, just the the, the personal guidance of God like that in a cloud manifested. You can see it with your eyes and, you know, the way that God guards you. But this is what he does. This is what he does. It's not just for them. It's for us too. He, he guides us. He has guided us. He guards us. Where would we be were it not for the way God guards us? It's his glory. He says right here, you know, I, I, you guys need to know this about the Jews there when they came out of uh, Egypt that they were, they were under the cloud. And then second thing he says is they all pass through the sea. Now I think most of us are familiar with that visual, right? But I think we have one. Imagine what it must have been like, man, going through the Red Sea. Three million people. Because Because we know know there were over 600,000 soldiers between the ages of 20 and 50 ready to fight. What about all the kids? What about all the women, younger, older, all that? So there's about 3 million people. God parts the sea, like I said, mountains on this side, the Egyptian army behind me. What are we going to do? God says, Moses, stretch out your rod, and God parts the sea. They go through. It's not even muddy. They go through on dry ground. Now imagine experiencing that. One would figure that this type of miracle is all you would ever need, right? The third thing he mentions right here is that they not only were under the cloud, they all passed through the sea, but they all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so what that means is that the children of Israel were identified now with Moses as they went through the sea and under the cloud along with their chosen leader, They identify with Moses and since God had established his covenant uh, with and in and through Moses, they now entered into a covenant with God. And so think about it. They they all experienced this whole thing. Next, it says that they ate uh, the spiritual food. Notice in verse 3, they all ate the same spiritual food. And of course, we know that's primarily speaking of the manna that came down from heaven. We read in Exodus 16 in verse 4: Then the Lord said to Moses, "Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you." Think about that. Imagine if it just came down every single day for forty years. God fed them supernaturally. This is where the word supermarket came from. Man, just imagine that. I mean, it's free. It's free. That's why they call it food for less. I'm serious, man. Sorry. <laughs> Soul food. It just goes on and on. Anyways, I mean, just think about this, man. You don't have to go and wait in lines. You don't have to bring any cash or a check. I mean, you don't have to read the labels to figure out whether or not it's good for you. I mean, this is angel food, the Bible says in Psalm 78, verse 25. And so imagine you, you, they experienced all these things. They ate the, the manna. They, they ate the, even the meat, the quail. We read in Exodus 16, verse 35, that they had it for 40 years. What a miracle it was. And the, the the next thing, the fifth thing, he says they drank of that spiritual rock in verse 4, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so if you can, just put yourself in their place. Put yourself coming out of Egypt. Not, not just, I mean, the plagues are enough. The, the, the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb is enough. You know, And then you're led by a cloud. He's before you, he's behind you. You know, you go through the Red Sea, uh, you know, you get the, the bread from heaven every single day. It was like probably like a little pancake. It tastes really good. It was good for you. I mean, you know, you're drinking of the water because remember, they didn't have, you know, the arrowhead or 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee. So boom, boom you know, God said, just speak to the rock. I mean, strike the rock and the water came out. The, and, and then later on in the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 20 in verse 8, Uh, there's God still with them. They still need water. And then the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock and, and water came out. What we read right here in this commentary in 1 Corinthians is that the rock was Christ and the rock followed them. The rock followed them. And so he's making a parallel. It's implied in the text that what happened to them happens to us. That God is this cloud that guides us and guards us. That as we get baptized, that's what the Red Sea is all about. How we've been baptized into the body of Christ. I mean, it's just an amazing thing how he feeds us every single day of our life. He's fed us. You know, and he feeds us physically. He feeds us spiritually. Maybe you're like, well, I haven't heard the Lord you know, speak to me. It's because you're not listening. The manna is there every day. Whatever you need for that day, he'll, he'll speak to you. And the water is symbolic of the life that we have. Jesus said in John 7 and, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we have, we have partaken of all these things. He said, this was them. They, they have this rock. And think about this, the rock, he never leaves. Jesus never leaves you. Jesus is always there with you. Jesus follows you. You might try to run away, but he pursues you. The rock that followed them was Christ. And the the rock that was smitten when he was crucified there on Calvary. And the rock, and I don't know if you guys have, have really come to this place yet in your life as Christians, but he's my rock, man. He's my rock. He's the only rock. He's the only one that never fails. He's the only one that never moves. He's so strong. He's my rock. He said they they experienced all these things. But, notice again in verse 5, with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The, The majority of them the majority of the most of them they were scattered. It was the Greek word is katastronomi. It was a catastrophe. You know, who really made it to the promised land? You guys read the story, who it wasn't a lot. Twenty years and under, Joshua and Caleb, and that's about it. How many of you hear, you want to be Joshua? I want to be Caleb. Some of you are already Joshua. That's your name. I'm just joking. Anyways, you know, it's like, Lord, that's what I want, you know. And I don't know. For all I know, I might be on plan B already. (laughs) But if I am on plan B, I don't want to be on plan C, so to speak. All I know, you guys, is that, you know, we don't want to be like most of them. We don't want to be those who die before they ever reach their destiny. We don't want to be those who are on their deathbed with all the regrets because they had so many reserves. They never really totally completely surrendered to the love and lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. They're always living their life based on the behavior of other people. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. That's not love. So we want it to be, man, Lord, I want to live a life in the promised land. I know it's not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But there is a proper place for me to be a man of God. And it's a place, they call it victorious Christian living. When you cross through the Jordan and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, every day, you need it all the time. You know, there's this song that we've been singing. And it just and I don't know exactly how the words go, but... You know, I'm just going to keep singing until the power comes down. I'm going to keep singing until the power comes down. How long are you going to sing? Till the power comes down. How long are you going to sing? Till the power comes down. How long are you going to pray? Till the power comes down. I will not stop praying until I have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want to sin because it grieves God and it hinders the work that He wants to do in me and through me. And that's what he's saying, right? You don't want to be one of those who were scattered. Most of them, unfortunately, most. And I don't want to sound like some elitist or something, or like I'm better than anyone else because I know I'm not. But I know who God is, and I know what he wants to do in me. I know what he wants to do in me. And so he says, well, all of them experienced it, but most of them were scattered. And then he goes on to give some specifics, which I think are are helpful for us to read. Notice in verse 6, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so he gave five privileges, five things that they experienced that were so amazing, and now he's going to give five failures. What ended up happening? Well, he says, this is what they did, and so we have to make sure that we don't do it as well, because this was written not just for information, but for transformation. This is writ written not so you would just know the history of it, but it would change your history. You don't have to continue to be, if you're here and it's been a failure, and you've been knocking your head against the wall, and you're just, you know, you're walking in the flesh, and you don't have to be that way. Today can be a turning point. For you, this happened to them as examples to us that we shouldn't do what they did. One thing is they, they lusted after evil things. And it speaks of those overwhelming sensual desires, those animal appetites that we have. Now, the interesting thing in Numbers chapter 11 in verse 4, it says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? So there was a, they were hanging out with the wrong people. The mixed multitude was amongst them. Unfortunately, it influenced them. And next thing you know, they wanted something that was contrary to the will of God. They wanted to go back to Egypt so they can have the you know, filet mignon, so they can have the watermelon, the leeks, the onion, the garlic, it says. They forgot about their bad breath, and they forgot about their bitter bondage. You know, and it's just food. You're like, well, it's just food. What's the big deal? The big deal is this, that we have to bring our animal appetites under control. And if food is the problem, like Esau, who sold his birthright for some menudo, whatever it was, the red stew, some people do that because they just cannot control the animal appetites. It was wrong for them because it was out of the will of God. And that's all you've got to know in your life. You're not, well, it's gray area, well, you know, that's not sin. Is, is it the will of God? Don't go against the will of God, that's all. Uh, So you just, you learn to say no to self. The very first thing Jesus taught us, if anyone really wants to come after me and follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And that's what I want to do. So you have to check inside, like the lusts, are they there? If there's any lust that's there, don't let any lust linger. You weed out all the wickedness. So you check, it starts from the inside. The, the next thing he mentions, he says, and do not become, in verse 7, idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they and they rose up to play. And this is where in Exodus 32, in verse 6, then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and, and rose up to play. That was the time where they were impatient with Moses because up in there, the mountain for 40 days, and didn't know what happened to him. So, you know, Aaron, unfortunately, threw in the gold and he fashioned these golden calves and they worshiped them and they fell into sin. And again, it's just real, really practical, very, very relevant, very, very simple. Is there anyone? or anything that you have put before God. If there is, then we're idolaters. You know, I don't bow down to the saint, you know, the statue anymore. Yeah, but you got friends that you put before God. We're people. That's the same thing. You know, so so be careful that we don't become idolaters. Nothing comes before God. No rival thrones. You know, the Lord said, you got to hate, you know, mother, father, spouses, children. You're like, no, I love them. What I'm trying to say, the Lord says, is that there's no, you know, rivalry here. I'm just so number one. You know, we we check our heart for lust. We check our heart for idolatry. The next thing is a little bit more obvious. It says, uh, nor, in verse 8, let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. You know, the Greek word is where we get our word pornography. And so, uh, obviously, any type of sexual intimacy outside of marriage would be sexual morality. but it also includes looking and lusting. And Jesus said if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed it. You've committed adultery. So we just, I am guys, something that we guys will probably always deal with, do not allow that to linger in your life. And then the next thing is is to tempt Christ. He says in verse 9, Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. And that's over in Exodus 17 in verse 2. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And we see the same thing in Exodus 17 in verse 7. And Numbers 21, verses 4 through 6. And that's when, you know, you push it so hard that you dare God to discipline you. You know, the Greek word is in reference to proving or putting someone to the test. And sinners are said to tempt God by refusing to believe him or his word until he has manifested his power. Like, I'm going to keep sinning, I'm going to keep sinning, I'm going to keep sinning until I get in trouble. Until I get arrested. Until, you know, my wife finds out. Until the leadership in the church finds out. Until, you know, I get arrested. And that's daring God to discipline. You know, the last thing he mentions right here is, is kind of interesting because we're looking at the list and we're like, well, thank God I'm not guilty of any of those things. I'm not really a bad person. But notice what he says next in verse 10. Nor complain. As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. How many of you here complain? How many of you here lie? No, I'm just joking You just lied about the fact that you don't complain. Complaining. Yeah, you know. We actually have recorded in the scriptures six times where the people complained against Moses and Aaron, and in the process what they did is they complained against God right? Exodus 16, verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. You know, sometimes it was out in the open. Sometimes there's more low-key murmuring in their tents. But the Lord hears all those complaints. And the Lord who hears every idle word, Matthew twelve thirty-six says, one day we'll deal with all of them accordingly. And so, you know, we, we don't complain. We, we, we give thanks to God in everything. If something needs to be addressed, then we address it in the proper avenues. It, as a matter of fact, if you've got something or a struggle, then what you do, you, you pray about it, right? One person said, if Christians spent as much time praying as they did complaining, they would eventually have nothing to complain about. And so you take it to the lord in honest genuine prayer and then from there if he wants you to do anything else then you know you're just obedient to him but so many Sometimes times we forget god is able to work all things together for good and god is in control of everything and if he wants to move things around he can do it in the snap of his finger right just in the thought that he has as he sits on the throne and so we don't have to complain about anything we just have to see things from his perspective One person said, some people are always complaining that roses have thorns. I am thankful that thorns have roses. And all the difficulties that you go through in life, woe is me, woe is me. Let me tell you something, pity parties are not productive. You go to the Lord and you praise him. There is a rose here. There is something here that you're going to do. We don't complain. All this takes us out of our mission our mission. I don't want to be disqualified, God. And so he gives some specifics here. Of course, there's anything here. The Holy Spirit might be putting his finger on something that he wants you to change, to start doing, to stop doing. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. One thing I've learned in life, generally speaking, is that the Holy Spirit will start remodeling our house one room at a time right now he's working on the kitchen right he's teaching you how to cook I'm just joking right now he's working on different and then once you you know it's kinda like okay Lord I've surrendered that to you then usually there'll be something else that'll pop up but you have to be following him and as you go through these things what ends up happening is God brings us to this place where we can actually I think Paul is a good example of an individual who finished his race. And that's the typology of a Christian. And that's what we want to be able to do. Like I was talking to Grandpa George, the, you know, there was two days before he died, you know, he had finished well his race. You know, I don't know if I told you guys or not, but when I would go on missions trips, he was he would really, really be concerned about me. You know, and... Not that many people are, I I think. You know, he would be like, oh, you're going to get hurt or be careful over there. They're going to get you. I'm going to pray for you. Cool. Okay, if it makes you pray for me, (laughs) then that's cool, right? And then that was his ministry. He couldn't get out. He couldn't do a lot of things, but he could pray. And you can talk to Craig, and that was one of the things. Grandpa George was always reading his Bible. He was always praying, right? Right? Whatever the mission is, they're all different. We all have different platforms. God has you in much different places than he has me, but he has you there to shine and to share. You know. And so we want to finish. You know, As we go through these things, notice how he concludes in verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition or warning for us, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, here's the conclusion. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so here's how we close, okay? Your behavior depends on your belief. Your behavior depends on your belief. Do you believe that you are vulnerable? Or do you hear your thinking, Well, it could never happen to me. I'll, I'll always stand. I'm good. I'm a pastor. No, he says. Listen, take heed. If you think you stand, because then you move up to the front of the line, then you're more vulnerable. They say that an unguarded strength is the greater weakness. So we have to believe this. I and I, and I, like I said it was just it was coming to me. Lord, I don't want to drag your name through the mud. Lord, I, I need to, to be what you want me to be. I need to continue to grow. I don't want to be disqualified. And so we believe I'm vulnerable. And so I I take heed. But then verse 13, we believe, we believe, we believe God is faithful. We believe that that there will never be a temptation that comes my way, that other people haven't fought through and experienced the same things, that there will never be a temptation that I can't have victory over. Never. No drug, no demon, no drinking, no sex, no anger. Nothing. No bitterness, no hatred, no prayerlessness. There will never be a temptation that god can't give me the victory over why because he is faithful not me and when i tap into his faithfulness i can love my wife as christ loved the church and died for her when i tap into his faithfulness When I want to strip off that guy's helmet and hit him over the head, I don't. Why? Because God is faithful. A lot of times what happens is rather than looking for the way out, the way of escape, we're looking for the way in. You guys sin against God. Don't put up with it. It separates you, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, from God. I know we'll never be perfect. I know we won't. But there is a proper life that God has called us to. And and when I think, one last thing before we leave, when I think of the way out, the way out, who do you guys think of? Jesus, huh? Jesus is the way out. I just sense in my heart, I sense in my heart that God wants to do a radical rearranging in many of our lives today. Where you take a study like this and you let it sink in. Where you take a study like this and what God is going to do, is He's going to make you a Joshua, he's going to make you a Caleb. He just followed the Lord wholly with all of his heart. And you will then be catapulted into the promised land, which is victorious Christian living. Amen? So yeah, all of them experienced these great things. Some of them, you know, unfortunately did all these ugly sins. Most of them, most of them were scattered in the wilderness. But that will be none of us. And so I pray today as we Continue to seek the Lord, you know, follow him step by step. May he give you wisdom in all things. If you need to give your heart to Christ today, man, don't leave without doing that. Maybe you might even get on your knees right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, take over. Come into my life. I repent. And when you repent, I tell you what, God will meet you there.